welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's November 25th, 2020, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. We're so grateful that you could join us today as you get ready for Thanksgiving. And today we have a fantastic story of family and how family came together in one of the most unexpected ways. And I know that you'll be touched by this story as we are joined by Autumn Millette and Pastor Chris, and they talk through their story of of coming together as a family and in a dramatic way that I know will touch you, but hopefully also that the Lord will use to uh, absolutely change your heart and your mind and how you approach caring for the most vulnerable around you. But before we hear from Autumn and Pastor Chris, I want to let you know about our resource page. Our resource page is a great place that has hundreds of helpful articles, activity ideas, and other materials. Topics include adoption, attachment, siblings, medical needs, children's behavioral challenges, how to address grief and trauma, and so much more. If you visit lifelinechild.org backslash resources, again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash resources, you can find all of these resources as well as find more details to help you and your family. Again, we are so grateful to be joined by Autumn and Pastor Chris. And Pastor Chris, I want to start with you. Uh, you know, we're going to learn a little bit more of Autumn's story, but how did you first, you and Alicia, first get engaged with foster care and adoption? Thanks so much, Herbie, for having us on and giving us the opportunity to share our heart a little bit about this this topic. <clears throat> so really for us, we we first, when, when the Lord called us to uh, be a part of a church plant down in Central Florida. We first met a family in our church that was a foster family, and that really kind of raised our understanding of the awareness of how great the need was in our community. And so just through supporting that family, supporting our local agency, and really just a good deal of prayer and seeking God's will and direction, God began to stir in our hearts uh, about the need to to really care for vulnerable children and families and, and to do that through stepping in as foster parents. And so we, for a season, were temporary care. Uh, foster parents had no intentions of adopting, but as we began to hear about other children whose fam- parents' rights had been terminated and needed a family, we began to add to our family through adoption. And um, and so really, it's just something that God birthed in our hearts, just became a passion of ours, and uh, just really a great privilege to be able to see God do just great work in the lives of children um, who needed that temporary love and support of a foster family. And Autumn and her brother Aaron, they have a unique story uh, that we're going to hear a little bit more about in just a second. But how did you and Alicia first come to know their story and what compelled you to act? Well, as we were fostering, we, um, we, we originally first started kind of put God in our little box and we were only going to do like zero to four year old children. And as God often does, he kind of took a sledgehammer to our box. And so we became aware of teens that needed support and care and older children, sibling groups and all those different pieces. And so we kind of just started fostering different ages, different uh, groups. And so uh, really kind of teens kind of became our specialty. And so we, we had a good deal, a good number of teens that came through our home and we ended up adopting several teenagers into our family. And so um, really we, we thought that our family was through growing, but we got a phone call one day um, and basically our agency had just kind of seen what God had done 
in the lives of young people who had been in our home. They saw the way that our church family supported these young people. And it was a place where, where really teens that had been really hurt and broken could come and find healing and restoration. And so they reached out to us and said, hey, we've got these two teenagers that just really have been through some really hard, hard stuff. And um, uh, just really, they felt like our family situation, our church situation could be a blessing to these two young people. And they were right at the point of being close to aging out of the system. Um, Autumn was 17. Her, her brother uh, first came to us right before he turned 16. He turned 16 just after being with us for a month or so. Um, and so they just kind of said, hey, can you can you provide that temporary love and support? These these kids are about to age out and they need a, need a family to, to love on them for a while. And and can you help? And of course, you're going to hear the story kind of ended a little differently from what was expected. But um, we just really, as we heard their story, um, saw that they had, they, they're actually, their, their lives had been featured on 60 Minutes a few years earlier. Um, but then really kind of things kind of fell apart from there. And they had been bouncing around in different families and different homes. And and we just kind of felt compelled and prayed about it. and felt like God was calling us to, to say, yeah, let's, let's bring them into the family. So Autumn, while the Lord is preparing your parents, uh, for you and your brother to come into their home. Kind of start from the beginning. Tell us a little bit more of your story uh, and how you even ended up in caring for your little brother. So it started back in 2000 when my mom passed away. My dad really hit rock bottom emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially. Um, and that's when a lot of the trauma actually started. That's when a lot of um, looking for answers and fulfillment for him began in many different areas. We've tried church, we've tried friends. Um, he's tried other, you know, potential spouses and just all of it just continued to fall apart for him. Um, we lived in several different locations before um, it was just my turn to start taking care of the family and so we were in Castleberry for a little while and um, it was really nice. We were surrounded by lots of really cool people, people who took care of animals, um, people with snakes, like all sorts of stuff. Like it was just really cool. And like, as a kid, you think that's really cool. Um, and then we ended up moving away. And that was really hard for me because that was like all my friends, whether sure they were in their thirties, but they were still my friends, you know, like they're people I could trust and talk to. Um, but now here we are moving cities away to Sanford where I knew absolutely nobody. Um, and it was a hard transition. Um, whatever friends my age, I did lose. Um, we never talked again. And um, that was just when my dad kind of gave up um, for multiple times, multiple, maybe every other month, sometimes months at a time, we lived without power or we lived without water or sometimes both. Um, and during the winter times, it was difficult. We constantly had to find new ways of how to stay warm. My big giant dog, um, my brother, me and my dad would all just pile up in one bed just to try and stay warm at night. Um, during the summers, we prop the doors and windows open, just try to stay cool. Um, my family kind of makes fun of me now, but you know, during the hot summers, sometimes in the house is actually worse than outside. So there were times where I would sleep on the concrete outside my house. Um, and my family makes fun of me now because it's like, you find that comfortable? What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, that's just one of my weird quirks. Um, and so 
that's kind of when we started having to take care of each other. I wouldn't say that I took care of Aaron. I wouldn't say that he took care of me. It was honestly, now that I look back at it, it was a mutual taking care of because neither one of us could have made or pushed through this life without each other. We couldn't have done it alone. And he was there for me. I was there for him. And so um, when one of us couldn't take something, the other one would. Um, was I more loud and vocal about things? Yeah, I was pretty much like the face or the mascot of the family. Um, but ultimately we just, we were there for one another. When one of us needed to talk, the other was there and we protected each other. When there were, unfortunately there were nights where there was no food and we would give up for one another. Um, and that was just kind of how it is. We tag teams, taking showers at a gym. Um, so when it came to actually living in the van, uh, yeah, there were less responsibilities, Woo no chores, but that was when we really had to look out for each other because we knew, you know, the abuse from our dad could probably lessen if uh, we were closer to each other in the same room, such like that. So that was kind of really when we started to depend on each other more than ever. Um, and again, I was more of a financial provider. I would go out and do a lot of like the job hunting. I would do um, little things that would help us to at least eat for the night. Um, but it came to a point where we have a half sister and honestly, she's our, our saving grace. We don't talk now and that's okay. You know, in God's timing, he'll open that door. But he was our saving grace because I saw the way that my father started to treat her and I couldn't let her him do that I couldn't let him traumatize another person um and that's when you know we entered foster care because we we couldn't do it anymore and we were at our breaking point too 17 years of of abuse like it's a person can only take so much I'm surprised we made it that long um you know you have that hope for a family um and then just one day it clicked that it wasn't this and I needed to save myself and I needed to save my brother and whoever else I could. So that's when we entered care. Um, and it's been a pretty long journey. <laughs> so talk about, if you will, just some of the, some of the highs and lows of the emotion. So, I mean, I'm sure at times, you know, your adrenaline kicks in and it, you're, you're just in survival mode. And in some regards, it, it might've felt like an adventure. And then sometimes obviously there was fear and um, even fear for what will tomorrow bring. Can you, can you just share some of those emotions that both you and Aaron were experiencing during this time? Um, well, I can't really speak for Aaron um, because he has a different perspective on um, just past history and what's gone down and such. But for me, um, there was a lot of a lot of fear, a lot of um, pressure. So during that season of my life, I did feel a lot of pressure placed on me as the sole provider, or like I said, the mascot of the group. Um, there were, but there were a lot of moments where I did genuinely feel happy and motivated and, you know, okay, I can take on the world. Um, but, you know, when it comes to, you know, finally laying your head down at night, that's kind of when the enemy starts to work his magic. And I feel like a lot of us, you know, struggle with that. We know and can relate to that on some level. Um, but when I was awake, I tried to be the happy one. I tried to be um, the backbone, the happy-go-lucky whenever I could just to like somewhat carry, like I said, I had that hope that there would be a family 
within what I already had. And I just kind of survived on that hope. So then, you know, the idea of, of obviously foster care is happening. And, and as Pastor Chris said, you guys were in a couple of different foster homes. And then the idea of adoption comes forth. Um, were you resistant at all to the idea of adoption? What, what were your thoughts about adoption? So I was definitely resistant to adoption. I was resistant to foster care in general. So a lot of the homes that we jumped around to were family, friends, um, friends of friends. Like we tried to keep it out of foster care. We had one foster home before the Johnsons and we just wanted to get out as soon as possible. Granted, Aaron and I weren't Christians at the time and we didn't live the best of lifestyles and they were like major Christian, like <laughs> bam in your face. And we didn't know how to handle that at the time. Um, and we love them so much and we appreciate them. We were their first ever foster kids. Like they had just gotten their license and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry you had to put up with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like they took us in and that means so much to me. And I hate that I don't remember their names, but I, I appreciate them a lot. Anyway, so going, moving forward to adoption, like we had been exposed to a little bit of church and stuff. And so when it came to, okay, now we're being adopted into this Christian family. It was a little, eh, I don't really want to, but um, at the end of the day, I knew that like I was aging out and I needed to be able to provide something for my brother to where I know he's going to be safe. I know I can trust these people. They're not going to hurt him. They're not going to steer him in the wrong direction. And I knew like I can walk away and go to college and he will be okay. Um, and that's kind of like where that line started. Obviously, as I started to grow in my walk with Christ by listening to the word. My dad preached through Ephesians. Um, and that's by far my favorite book. But I remember February 2nd, I accepted Christ as my savior because I had been hearing it pro and like just constantly hearing, you know, you're dead. You're, you're this horrible person. And like all these different things that the word's telling me, but then I'm also hearing, but you are rich, you are loved, you are adopted, you are, you know, all these positive things. And that's kind of when it clicked for me. And I was like, I can be alive in Christ because of what he's done for me. Um, and so the adoption idea had started to grow on me a little bit more just for myself. Um, and, you know, it, it did bring, you know, family, awesome, stability, great, that loss of independence was uh, at the time really difficult. It was a big, hard pill to swallow. And I didn't handle it well in the beginning. I did store up a lot of anger and bitterness for a long time. Um, I did shut people out and I didn't really try to make connections or friends with anyone. Um, but looking back now, seeing their actions after how I reacted, I feel has really like I'm grateful for it because my family was there. Friends were there. They never gave up on me. They constantly, you know, called out when I was being a jerk. Um, and I feel like we're really starting to like build that relationship again. Um, and so as the years pass, I feel like um, I can say that I'm glad that the independence was taken from me because at the end of the day, it really wasn't there to start with. It wasn't. Amen. And I think that's something that a lot of families 
they don't understand at first why they, they think, hey, we're providing a family and a child has this need. And why is this struggle that's there? But uh, there is a loss. Uh, you, you feel it of your identity. There's a loss of your independence. There's a loss of who you are. And while the struggle is real of wanting a family, the struggle is also real of wanting to hold on to who you are um, and to that experience before. And what, what were some of the things that you feel like your mom and dad, Pastor Chris and Alicia did that, that really helped you through that journey and through that struggle of, of trying to hold on to who you were um, as a person, but also trying to be a part of the family? They sat me down and they showed me, they opened up the word of God and they talked to me. Um, they made sure that we had that open connection or at least tried to with my young brain. It didn't exactly click for me at the time, um, but they did. I can look back and say, okay, I see where they kept planting seeds of who I am in Christ. And that's, what's the most important thing, not who I used to be, not who I am at the moment, but who I can be and who I am in Christ. Um, that's where they just constantly pushed me was that identity of, of what I can be. I know, uh, as pastor Chris mentioned, you know, your story was, was featured in 60 minutes and we'll put both of those links in the show notes, but, uh, in the first feature that you had on 60 minutes, if I recall, you were wearing a Stetson sweatshirt. Um, tell us a little bit about the response from Stetson of seeing you in that sweatshirt and kind of how Stetson has played a role in your story. Absolutely. So when you're homeless, you don't exactly have, always have the money to be able to buy the new clothes or, or whatnot. So when things get small, you got to find ways of getting more clothes. Well, there was this one um, food bank kitchen that we would go to every once in a while and they had clothes or whatnot. And at the time I was huge, huge tomboy. Um, so I liked everything boy. I liked, um, you know, I didn't like the girly makeup, stuff like that. As you can see it's changing. Um, but I saw this one shirt that was a baseball tee and it looked really cool. And I just wanted it. And I didn't care what it said. It was just baseball and it was cool. And, um, so when I grabbed it again, didn't think anything of it. 60 minutes comes into my life and, you know, they kind of say things like you can't wear certain things with logos or names or whatnot. And, um, I didn't know they were coming to my school one particular day and I decided to wear the shirt and I didn't have anything to change into. So look at that. Um, God really worked in that situation for me. Um, but when they saw that the producers ended up contacting us, telling us that there were like students and parents of students and, um, uh, faculty, staff, graduates that were all like mass emailing the president at the time. And they were like, we see potential in both of these children. We want to help them. We want to support them however we can. Um, and that ended up offering us um, a full-time or full, yeah, full-time scholarship with Stetson, room, board, food, all of it. And it was an incredible offer. And we were just blown away at it because we're like, we're still in high school. We're still in middle school. Are you sure like this is going to be an okay thing like later down the road? And they're like, yes, here's the guidelines. Here's what we want you to do. If you can fulfill that, you're in. I was like, challenge accepted. Um, and that's kind of been like my driving force for a long time is I'm going to go to college. My dad didn't go to college. My, uh, my bio dad, 
my biological uncle, none of my family went to college. The only person who went to college and actually graduated that I'm aware of mm. is my mom. Mm. And she graduated with um, cosmetology. Mm. And I'm like, I want to be like her too. So let me just keep pushing forward and we're going to get through it. And we're going to be pretty awesome. Um, and I did, I did. Mm. And even when I was in foster care, when I was, when I was finally adopted with the Johnsons, you know, my parents even pushed me to continue my education, to strive for what I want and for like the passions that I want and where God's pushing me to go. Um, so I took a year off. I went to the Word of Life Bible Institute to grow my faith. And I said, all right, let's keep going. And there was Stetson. And it has been an incredible journey. I miss it so much. I want to go back to school. Like, I wish I had spent more time making friends than I did with my nose in a book. But at the same time, I'm really proud of my accomplishments because not my professors tell me all the time, like, you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't have these grades. You shouldn't this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, all right, if I can do this, I want to help other people be able to do it. So Stetson's been like a driving force in my life to be able to be the change that I want to see. What a, what an incredible story when you really think of it from losing your mom at such an early age from losing power and, and sleeping outside on the concrete to being homeless and living in a van to having 60 minutes come and do a story uh just so happens you're wearing a stetson baseball shirt and these folks from stetson want you to come and give you a full ride and a, a, a scholarship you know autumn even even as you weren't even recognizing it now looking back it's so obvious to see even at a young age how the lord was working through your story to prepare you to be the young lady that you are and so your story even in the last couple of months has taken another twist uh as your dad pastor chris johnson got to walk you down the aisle um and you're married now so talk about your future and how you see the lord using you going forward in your journey yeah so um, with the experience of being um, fostered and adopted, I, my heart has been really open to that. Um, but obviously right now we're, we're not quite ready. Um, just kind of want to start feeling out this marriage thing. It's pretty great so far. Um, but both my husband and I really have a desire to, um, to not only bring kids into our home eventually, but to push them towards God and to love them the way that God wants um, us to show them his love. Mm. Um, and so we're just trying to, you know, finish schooling, um, get connected in our church, start um, getting involved with the kids ministry. I'm not entirely sure where God wants us this time next year. Uh, it's still up in the air. It's mm. something we're praying about. But as of right now, I am working at a safe home for girls who have been sex trafficked, human trafficked, or, or at least high risk of those things. Um, and it has changed my life within the past four months. I love these girls and I just, it really breaks my heart to see that there are, like, this is real. This hurt is real. The trauma is real. The denial is real. Um, and right now we're, we're just trying to build the skills on how to be able to love the way that God wants us to love, how to love the way my parents loved me. I, I, I give all the props to, to 
my dad and my mom, because I'm like, I don't know how you did it. It's hard some days. It really is. And, but I don't want to give up on them because my parents didn't give up on me. God doesn't give up on me. Um, so we're not quite sure what the future holds just yet, but we know, we know what we want and we know where our desires and where our passions are. Um, but it, it's, it's God's timing. It's all in his hands. Autumn, as, as maybe there is a child that's listening to this or a parent that's listening to this that has a child at home that they're either fostering or, or maybe they've adopted and they're struggling with their identity and they're struggling with, you know, assimilating even to this family. How would you encourage as a young lady that can look back now, how would you encourage other kids or other parents with children who are struggling with the idea of adoption or foster care? You got to pray through it um, for the parents. Just seek other, other individuals who are in a similar situation, other foster parents, other adoptive parents and seek, you know, they've been through it. So seek that wisdom from someone who's a little, a little further in their journey than you are and, and seek that wisdom and that guidance. Um, and don't give up on them because you may have a child like me who, who doesn't quite know what they really wanted in their life, who didn't know the amount of love that someone can feel for another individual. Um, and how stubborn that child is at the time. Like it's not, it's not that they're choosing to be that way all the time. It's sometimes it really is just the hurt and the doubt that the enemy is placing in their brains, you know, to tell them that they can't be anything more than what they've already been through or they're not redeemable. Um, and for the child, it just, you got to soften your heart. I, I know it's not easy. I know you got a plan. You probably have a journal with the exact layout of where you want to live and what job you want to have and so on and so forth, but it's not worth it. And your independence isn't really your independence. You're just trying to take control of your life and, but you've never been in this situation either. So you've got to seek people who are a little further along from you and ask for that wisdom and ask for that guidance. And it's hard. It is that bitterness, that anger, that resentment, you've got to let it go. And the only way you're going to do that is by finding community who's going to help teach you how to do that. And it's not easy. I still struggle with my identity all the time, but it's learning how not to stay in that and to replace that with truth in God's word as well. So finding that community and finding who you really are in Christ. Well, Pastor Chris, you know, one of the things that I love about you, brother, is uh, the Lord has definitely given you a full quiver of children. Uh, and I love just being with you and Alicia because y'all love each of your children so well individually um, maybe some of them don't even realize how much you guys love them each individually. And so I've, I've loved even hearing you brag on Autumn um, behind her back and, uh, and talk about the delight of having her as your daughter. And you got to recently walk her down the aisle. And, and really, in some ways, you're seeing this story come full circle. Uh, and she's starting a family of her own. Can you just talk about the emotions that you have felt, that you and Alicia have felt, um, and just what this means to you in that moment, even to walk your daughter down the aisle meant to you? 
yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot for that. <laughs> uh, so I'm wiping the tears away here. Um, wow, what a what a what an honor it was. More than anything, I think it's just the honor to get to be Autumn's dad, and then to, to be able to have that that part in her life. Um, to see the work that God's done in her heart has just been amazing. Um, when she came to us, she really had no understanding of what a biblical relationship physical relationship between a man and a woman looked like she she had not had that model she had not experienced it herself see god just do that work in her heart and bring the right man into her life that would help her in that way um i think i think for me the the moment that hit me the most on that particular day was you know even leading up to it was emotional and, and just kind of thinking back to the to the journey um but i think when we were there was a time in the ceremony where uh, Corey's parents and Alden's parents, Alicia and I came up together and the six of us had a time of prayer together on the platform. And it was during that time of prayer that really just God just gave me just such a sense of peace hmm. that um, we had we had done what he called us to do. And we've tried to be faithful. We've certainly not been perfect and have made lots of mistakes, um, but have tried to be faithful. And, and then just to see how he, faithful he has been and how he has as as um, you know, he reached out to Autumn and he embraced her when she uh, surrendered to him. He just completely changed her life. And now to see her um, forming a new family and then her and her husband having the desire to continue to serve him and follow him. Um, John, for, at third John four, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Mm. And that's what we've wanted from the moment that we met, from, really from the moment we first heard about Autumn and Aaron, first heard their story. We started praying, God, do a work in their lives. God, use them for your honor and your glory. And so to see uh, God do that work in saving them, drawing them to himself, calling them to, him, to himself and to his work. And, and now to see her continuing uh, in that is just, I mean, it brings more joy than I could ever truly express. And you kind of said super, this at the beginning. Super proud dad. Super yeah. proud dad. You kind of said this at the beginning, Pastor Chris, but if you could just expound on how you would encourage families to consider adoption and foster care of older children. Uh, you know, a lot of times you and I both know families are very, are not dissimilar to where you and Alicia were. Hey, we're, we're open to, to younger children with the thought that, that in some way it would be easier or that, you know, uh, you'd have more time, but you and Alicia have had the joy of, of fostering and adopting several older children. And I've heard y'all both. It's been such a blessing to your lives that they've given you more blessing than you could have ever given them. So how would you encourage families to consider older children when even like Autumn said, they're, they're bringing in a history, they're bringing in independence yeah. that is that they're going to war against. Uh, but how would you still encourage families to consider it? You know, it's, it's a, it's this, this life that we're called to live foster parent, adoptive parent, believer in Jesus Christ. It's a life of faith. And I know for us, when we first started this journey, the reason that we said no to older kids and teens were a lot of doubts, a lot of fears, um, and really things even that we had kind of put in our own minds, you know, that we thought would be realities. Um, but as we began to just really be sensitive to God's calling and begin to just get to a point where we had to just trust God in these things. You know, part of it's, well, I want to protect my, my kid, our three biological daughters. We don't want to, you know, bring something into our home that's going to cause them hurt and, and anger and, and stress or, or trauma in their life. Or, you know, I was protective of my role as a pastor. I don't want to bring an older child that's going to do something that could hurt my reputation or those kind of pieces and all these different things 
But at the end of the day, all of these fears and all of the objections that we had were all man-made fears and, and all was a lack of trust. And we had to get to the point where we said, you know what, I, I love my three daughters dearly, but God loves me even more. Um, I love what I get to do as a pastor, but God's called me to this. And, and so why am I going to try to protect God from doing what God wants to do in my life and in the lives of my kids? And, and ultimately, we, you know, we, we began to just to see how great the need is. And there are kids in our communities and around the world that are, that are older kids that they're in this place, not because of anything that they have done, but because people who should have loved and cared for them either couldn't uh, because of different circumstances or, or made the choice not to. And so these kids are not bad kids. They've had horrible things done to them. And, and the reality is they need to know that their life matters. They need to know that they are, they are image bearers of the one true God, and he has a purpose and a plan for them. And um, the reality is that no child, I, I mean, my, my own biological kids aren't ready to leave and go out on their own at 18. They, they're going to, you know, they continue to call me and come back and, and be a part. I wasn't ready at 18. Um, but yet there are kids all around this country and around the world, even at younger ages and other places around the world that are being pushed out into adulthood and having to fend for themselves with no family and no support. And I just, you know, there are enough of us Christ followers in this, in this country and in this world that they, these kids should not be stepping into life on their own. And, and, and we, we have the resources, we have the, the, the ability to, to do what God has called us to do as God calls us, he equips us, he gives us the power to accomplish his, his task. And so I would just challenge families, don't let fear stop you, recognize how great this need is. And, and then, you know, again, God, God has promised over and over again that he's going to care for the fatherless. He's going to provide for them. But how awesome is it that we, you and I get to be the means by which he keeps his word. And so it's, it's been a joy for us to be able to love on these older kids, love on sibling groups and let God work through our imperfections, through our mistakes. Um, but it's just, it has just brought incredible joy to us to now see um, their lives flourishing and they're, they're moving forward in their, in their walk with God. And again, knowing, you know, even now my, my kids, some of our adopted kids are even in a place right now where they're struggling with some identity things and praying through and not always making the right choices. But you know what? Um, we have done everything in our power to ingrain within them that they are valued, they are loved, they're loved by our by their mom and dad, but even more so, they're loved by their heavenly Father that that gave Himself for them, and um, we hope that they always will come back to that understanding and realization um, of who they are in Christ. Friends, thank y'all so much. What a beautiful story of God's grace um, and God's goodness and the way that the Lord worked in all things for His glory. And Autumn, we're thankful for you and what God has done in your life. And we're grateful, abundantly grateful for your dad who gets to lead out church partnerships here at Lifeline in such an excellent way. Well, thanks for joining us for the Defender Podcast. And we hope that you will look in show notes and learn more about Autumn's story as told through the eyes of 60 Minutes. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? 
please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast. <laughs>